Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to talk about a movie for like two seconds, and that's going to be a setup for, I think, what's currently going on with Georgia football. A lot of you remember like the early 2000s there was like a poker craze remember this like when poker got really really popular early 2000s and I think what a lot of people don't realize is is that a movie from around that same time rounders I think a lot of folks thought that movie with like say Ed Norton Matt Damon uh you know John Malkovich looking back oh that movie was a part of the poker craze but what's actually kind of interesting is is that the movie Rounders actually predates the poker craze. When Rounders was in the theaters late 90s, poker was not that big of a deal. It was not really that big a part of the pop culture. I'm talking about generally speaking. There are obviously folks that like poker, but poker was nowhere near as big um, in the culture as it became. Rounders actually one of the reasons that it became so popular. Now, here's where I'm going with all this. In the movie Rounders, and I love it, many of you do there as well, especially if you're around my age, there's a line that Matt Damon has in the movie. And I'm not going to get this exactly right because I'm never perfect when quoting these movies, but it always sticks out to me that he's arguing with his girlfriend, played by Gretchen Maul, one of the worst sports movie girlfriends of all time. Most people would kind of agree with that uh, in terms of just the wet blanket that she was on his life. Uh, but the point is, is he's arguing back and forth with her, and he's get mad. He gets mad at her and says, "Listen, you keep, you still keep thinking this game is about luck." He's talking about poker. He says, "If it's luck, why does the same small handful of people?" end up at the final table at the World Series of Poker each and every year. In other words, hey, the best players are always the last ones playing. Uh, If that's the case, then it can't be luck. Now, what's ironic about that is, is that in part because of rounders, that actually stopped being true for the World Series of Poker eventually, that you started getting more and more people in there. You had amateur win the thing. All of a sudden, it became uh, such a you know a crowded field that a lot more randomness was in, entered into the to the uh, to the event the World Series of Poker. But when Matt Damon said what he said it was absolutely true, that I don't care how much luck you think is involved in poker, the same people are competing for the championship each and every year. That bracelet, that big prize, the World Series of Poker. So it can't be that much about luck. Now my point in saying all of that is this: is that college football right now operates very much the way the World Series of Poker used to, the one that Matt Damon described in the movie Rounders, in that somehow, some way, even though the individual games can seem somewhat random, and good luck, bad luck seems to play a role in a lot of the ways in which the the season unfolds, when you get to the final table, which in our sport we call the college football playoff, it just sort of seems like the same teams each and every year that I don't care how much luck seems to exist in a given moment, in the totality of the event, it just sort of seems like it's the same ones at the final table. It's been Alabama, it's been Clemson, it's been Ohio State, and now Georgia fans kind of also hope that it's Georgia. And so I really think for a college football coach, Kirby Smart in particular, I think you've got to kind of understand that as your job. It is your job, as they say in poker, to be sitting at that final table with a chip and a chair, a spot at the table with a stack in front of you with a chance to win. And listen, for a professional poker player, even when you get dealt bad cards, there's a chance you're going to lose because you have very little control over how those cards kind of play out for you. But your job is just to be at the final table and give yourself a chance. And so as we move into the 2022 season for Georgia, which in my mind kind of always unofficially begins with the start of spring practice, That is also true for Georgia right now. 
The subject came up yesterday when Kirby Smart gave his introductory press conference and with some of the things that Georgia players had to say about the notion of defending a national championship. You hear me use that phrase a lot. It's always been kind of a, a part of the sports conversation. Okay, Georgia's the reigning national champion. They begin their defense of that title here with the start of spring practice. That's just kind of the narrative that gets cast sometimes. And Kirby Smart said something very interesting yesterday about the idea of not really liking that phrase, not really liking the notion of so-called defending a national championship. What Smart said about this was kind of interesting, and in light of what I said a moment ago, I think it sets us up for a pretty interesting conversation, too. This is Kirby from yesterday. When we came back and went to work for those six weeks, that's we've put that to the side you know we don't we're, we're not communicating talking about that. that that's something they'll be able to have the rest of their life we always talk about it here we've talked about it since we won the sec you don't defend a title you guys want it to be that way but that's not what we do we, we start fresh just like we would when we lost to texas in a bowl game we start completely new and that's so hard i think for the media to grasp that it's not hard for us because we go into a different part of the program, which is the off-season conditioning program. What's different about the off-season conditioning program than what it has been in the past? Not a whole lot. We're, we're doing the same things we did to build up to the point we went to last year. We certainly have different faces and different people in the places. And I think you know they're right where they need to be. They're not like way behind schedule. They're not way ahead of schedule. We, we have holes to fill just like we do every year, probably just more this year than in years past based on uh, the guys leaving and the departure. So Kirby Smart does not like the idea of defending a, a national championship, essentially saying this current Georgia team hasn't done anything yet. And if somehow Georgia does win the national championship in 2022, it doesn't mean like Nick Saban actually said something very similar the other day, you know, in professional wrestling or in boxing, the champ defends the title. If you lose, they take it from you. But what Smart's insinuating here is actually very similar to something that Saban said the other day, which is, hey, uh, you know, if, if the next team doesn't quote-unquote defend the title, that doesn't mean the 2021 team is no longer national champion. This isn't pro wrestling where the champ loses the title and has to give it to somebody else. You can never take the 2021 national championship away, which is what Smart's kind of insinuating here. And the 2022 team is starting to work on its own legacy. Guys in bigger roles, guys in, in, in more uh, prominent situations, that the uh, 2022 season belongs to these guys. It's actually not a continuation of what happened in 2021. That's kind of what Smart's saying there. And one of the key leaders on this team, maybe the key leader on this team, at least based on everything that he said yesterday, so poignant and so profound, maybe Nolan Smith. And it sounds like Nolan in that role is certainly amplifying that message from Kirby Smart because when he spoke in his own press conference, he kind of said something similar. This also Nolan Smith. I mean, that's everything. Like, people are still asking questions about, you know, we defending the title. It's not we're defending a title. We're going to win another one. You know, and that's the mindset that you got to have. You don't defend anything. So I feel like, you know, we take it as a responsibility and go out there and just give it our day, best every day and take it one day at a time. Just like we did last year. We didn't look forward. We didn't look behind. We just kept taking it one day at a time. So let me just say this. Based on what Nolan Smith says there, hey, this is our chance to win our own national championship. Kirby Smart saying what he said, hey, you know, this is not about defending a title. The 2021 season, end of the 2022 season is starting. That's kind of A, what you would expect Georgia coaches and players to say. And from their perspective, that's probably a necessary mindset. That just makes sense to me. However, for us as fans here for a moment, let's have a slightly different conversation. And let's talk about and I realize why Kirby can't say it this way, but let's talk a little bit more a little bit more in depth about 
what does it actually mean to defend a national championship? Now, it's going to sound like I'm settling when I say this or expecting less than the best, and I'm not, and hopefully you understand that. I don't necessarily think defending a national championship means coming back and winning another national championship. That's not what I think it necessarily means. Now, I obviously hope Georgia does that, and I think that Georgia this upcoming season has a good chance of repeating as national champions. But you don't have to win the title again to necessarily offer a good defense of your national championship. Think about defense in terms of how you would argue for yourself if you were a defendant in court. You're making the case for yourself. How Georgia plays in 2022, I think in large measure, can make the case for what it also did there in 2021. To go back to the analogy I used about the same folks being at the same table at the end of the World Series of Poker each and every year, the way that Matt Damon once described in Rounders, that's kind of what Georgia's job is right now. To say that not only are we national champions, but we are ever-present contenders for that national championship. And ultimately, as strange as this might sound, I think what comes next for Georgia is actually harder than what came before. And I even said this before Georgia won its national championship. I think that we have, and I don't just mean we as Georgia fans, I mean we as just kind of sports fans in general. We have this obsession with winning a championship. But I truly believe that maintaining a consistent presence as a championship contender is actually a more difficult thing to do. And so Georgia being back in the college football playoff, for instance, being, as Matt Damon would say, one of those guys at that final table once again, giving yourself another chance to win that title here this year, that to me is a very worthy defense of that national championship and the kind of signal that Georgia is going to be a thorn in the side of all the other would-be contenders for many years to come. And if you don't believe me in discussing how hard this actually is to do, you know, keep in mind this for a moment. Think about recent SEC national champions that were nowhere to be found shortly after winning that title. Let's start with LSU in 2019. Maybe one of the greatest teams of all time, but the coach who led them to that title is gone now. He's essentially fired, and LSU is a far cry in 2020 and 2021 from what it was in its title season of 2019. Not the only SEC team for what for whom that's true. Think about Auburn in 2010. Auburn fans have been craving a national championship for such a long time. Finally got it in 2010. Yet within a couple of years later, the head coach who led them to that title, Gene Chizik, was run out of town there as well. Even a program like Florida, which maybe in this era had more consistent success, when they won the national title in 2008, by the following year, they couldn't even win the SEC. And by the year after that, Urban Meyer was also on his way out of a job. Now, I'm not suggesting that Kirby Smart's two years removed from losing his job at Georgia. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is defending a national championship for teams here in the SEC and what we think of as kind of the modern era, that's actually proven itself not to be that easy of a thing to do. So the real work for Georgia begins right now. Even in this college football playoff era, these teams that have consistently found their way into the playoff have found it hard to do that each and every year. Look at Clemson this past season. Clemson had been in what, every playoff since 2015, but this past year, not a playoff-worthy team. Even a team like Alabama, who's been in all the playoffs but one in 2019, gave up nearly 50 points twice and found itself eliminated from playoff consideration. Uh, even they have found it hard to be a true playoff team each and every year. So so think about the great programs in college football's past. Think about Bobby Bowden at Florida State, if you want to go back to the 90s. Think about what Nick Saban is doing at Alabama right now. There's clearly the presence of national championships that validates that success, but 
the most interesting, most difficult to accomplish feat for those programs in those particular eras was the way in which they showed up each and every year, something that not every national champion has been able to do. So even though Kirby Smart can't give voice to this, and even though Nolan Smith can't give voice to this, and other Georgia players can't give voice to this, that's really what's at stake for Georgia. Okay, you won the title, but can you stay at the final table? You won the title, but what do you got next? What is your defense of your performance in 2021? Are you going to prove yourself to be a consistent contender this year and many years to come, giving yourself more chances to win more titles along the way? That's the real hard work, and it's not as easy as it seems because replicating success in college football always proves to be more difficult than some assume it's going to be. That's the task facing Georgia right now, and it seems like on the basis of what Kirby and the players said yesterday, it's a task they're taking very seriously. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Management. Happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, first and 15, starting 945, uh, first in uh, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, the Apple Player, the Google Player, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com, we post the show each and every day. We're just happy you connect with us however you get to us, and we really appreciate Breda Pest Management being a part of our program today. It's really fun to be in business with Breda in a relationship here with them as a, uh, a proud partner of ours, and also to tell their story, because not only are they supporting Dog Nation Daily, something I'm very grateful of, as a fan of Georgia, I also like the way in which Breda Pest Management supports UGA. They've been the official pest control of UGA Athletics for a while now. That means they're taking care of a lot of the athletic facilities that you have there at Sanford Stadium, or I should say there at UGA, including Sanford Stadium. And if they're doing that kind of work for UGA, you better believe they're going to do great work for you there as well. Because think about that field at Sanford Stadium for a moment. On a playing surface that size, there's room for about a million termites. That's how that's how small and minuscule these termites can be. And you know they're so small you can't see them, but you better believe you can see the impact of having them when it comes to your house. And listen, here in Georgia, that's just a fact. You know, if you haven't had them, you will have them eventually. That's just kind of the way that goes. That's why you've got to have a great pest management company for you that helps protect your home. And it's not just the bugs, it's the critters there as well. Sometimes you may find a company that does one, not the other, but Breda Pest Management can do all that for you. Talk about flying squirrels, things like that. You know, <laughs> horrified I am about the possibility of having to go in an attic and find one of those things. Well, that's what Breda Pest Management can help you deal with they aren't horrified by that they take that challenge head on they can do the same thing for you there as well they've been around since 1975 they got over 125 people working for them helping cover you and your home and we know how important that is so please make sure you find them it's bradapest.com that's the website now for those of you listening our radio podcast let me explain Breda is spelled b-r-e-d-a it's bradapest.com the official pest uh, uh service for uga our good friends here at uh, dog nation daily great pest management services they're providing from you it's good to have them as a part of our program today all right we'll get mike griffith here coming up in a moment from athens side of pro day today obviously spring practice getting kicked off yesterday so a lot going on with the dogs right now and we are covering all of uh, that with you before that though i want to go briefly around the doghouse and i want to look at something that kirby smart had to say yesterday which is kind of a follow-up to a conversation we've had on the show now for the last couple of days going back to last thursday uh terrence edwards kind of broke the news for us that yes eric gilbert would be going through georgia spring practice that was the indication that he was getting kirby smart confirmed that uh there at spring practice yesterday but in doing so 
smart, as you would expect, and I think rightly so in this case, also echoing some of the things that Terrence Edwards, the uh, mentor of Eric Gilbert, has said on our show. Really kind of trying to compartmentalize the Gilbert conversation. Yes, it's good to have him back in the practice field, smart. Obviously confirming that yesterday. But also a very wide-eyed look at the challenges that come with playing big-time college sports when you have the spotlight that Gilbert's had on him. We obviously know that a so-called personal issue took him off the field a year ago. And it seems like that that everybody here just wants to be very careful with the next steps as Gilbert works his way back towards being a contributing member of this football team. This is a little longer clip than we would normally play from Smart, but it's that good. I think it's it's both hopeful in terms of those of us who love cheering for Eric, but also a reminder of the job of a coach that's more than just X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's, giving yourself the best chance of winning. you got to help these guys win at life as well. And I thought Smart struck the right, the right balance and all that yesterday. This is Kirby. Yeah, Eric's done a great job uh, kind of integrating back to the team. He's been here for a while now. Um, he's done the work we've asked of him. He's doing well academically. Um, you know, I think there's this perception, and it affects – college football athletes more than anybody else because they're younger that this 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 recruiting stigma follows someone and these expectations follow kids and I look across and follow guys that maybe we signed here or signed somewhere else and they carry this really heavy uh, burden of expectation we, we, we don't place that burden on anybody I think sometimes they put it on themselves I think sometimes social media does it I think sometimes uh, media in general do it but for whatever reason Eric's a guy's carried a lot of that burden with him in terms of expectation. Our expectation of Eric is to be the best person he can be first and foremost, and uh, hopefully be the best player he can be. He's had a really good offseason. He continues to work. But that doesn't put an expectation of this guy's going to go out there and set the world on fire. He's trying to figure out where he fits in, and he's working really hard. He's done everything we've asked. Uh, he's fortunate he's going to get a lot of reps because of the two guys we have out. So he's going to get a lot, a, a lot of reps. Rylan Goaty's going to get a lot of reps. Brett Scyther's going to get a lot of reps. Delp's going to get a lot of reps. So we've got guys that are going to take reps in those roles at tight end. But I think sometimes uh, the expectation is so great on these kids it can affect them psychologically. Georgia fans are astute. They don't miss anything. And while Gilbert is listed on the spring roster for Georgia as a wide receiver, a lot of Georgia fans pointing out that in that particular case, Smart treats him as a tight end, which is kind of interesting from a you know, from a player standpoint of of maybe how Georgia sees his role right now. We'll find out if future statements echo that same sentiment, but that's what Smart kind of did yesterday. So a lot of Georgia fans pointed that out. However, the other thing that Smart says there, I just think is so true and so right. And listen, you don't have to tell me. I already know this. We're guilty of this around here. Of course we make a big deal out of these five-star recruits, and of course we make heroes out of them. Now, in defense of us, if there was no such thing as a five-star label, a guy like Eric Gilbert would still live with a lot of athletic pressure to perform because of how he looks. I mean, that's really what a five-star athlete is. It's someone who is easily recognizable as an athlete, even in a room full of athletes. That's, you know, to quote uh, Coach 30 here, that's the actual athlete. You know, like, I mean – uh you know, it's like you, uh, you you can just look at him and sort of tell, right? And so even if there was no label that we put on these kids, his own body type is his label in that particular case. So there's going to be a little bit of pressure to perform, you know, related to that. However, what Smart says there, which is so true, is that the greatest gift that you can give any of these players is a chance to no longer be that. And at Georgia, because there are so many talented players in the roster and because everybody's kind of got their own recruiting accolades, 
you don't have to be Eric Gilbert, former five star anymore. You don't have to be that. You just have to be a foot. You just you, you get to be a football player, just like the eighty four other, or based on recent scholarship counts, ninety one other, or however, however many players you know, Georgia was thought to have had on its roster at one point in time. Uh, there's obviously a very deep roster of very you know talented guys. And you just get to be one of them. You don't have to be the guy that, for years, I was saying that you were on, on this show because that is a lot to live with. And whether it be someone who you know steps away from the football field or maybe someone who's just tempted to that we never know about, it is a lot of pressure. And a good coaching staff allows you to take a break from being that, take a vacation from from being that, and 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 just enjoy the game and just play the game. And I, I do think that Smart does a, a pretty good job of that with what he says there, and I based on the stuff that Terrence Edwards said last Thursday, and by the way, I think you need to go back and listen to all that in a lot of what Kirby Smart says there, it sounds like everybody who's close to Gilbert's trying to allow him to do that. Take it slow. Let's celebrate small wins here. Let's don't fixate on the big win of, oh, he's going to be the focal point of an offensive game plan. He's going to go out and do all these things. No, participating in practice is a win. Uh, seeing him on G-Day, for those of us who crave that chance, that's a win. Being a contributing member of this team come September – that's a win. Anything after that is a big win. We'll get to that eventually. But celebrating small wins here seems like the right thing to do. And I think Kirby Smart's words yesterday allow us the chance to do that. All right, we are busy. Later on, there was a thing that I noticed yesterday when George introduced its new basketball coach. I want to find out from you if you kind of noticed the same thing. And I want to kind of find out from you if you think it means the same thing that I think it means. We'll talk about that then. There is a story that I'm going to tell you later on that has nothing to do with Georgia, but it's going to make Georgia fans really, really mad. I don't bring it up to intentionally troll you, but you do need to know about it. So we'll do that coming up in a, a couple of minutes there as well. But uh, pro day today, spring practice yesterday, injuries, uh, everything else. It's a lot to do right now. Our buddy Mike Griffith helps stay on top of all of it. He helps us stay on top of all of it. So let's talk to him right now. Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A lot to talk to with Mike Griffith here. Georgia beginning spring practice yesterday, pro day today. Another chance probably to hear from Kirby Smart there too. So maybe a little bit more fallout from the start of spring practice, even as the future pros at the NFL level take uh, center stage. Mike, uh, I guess there's a lot of places we could begin. Let me just bring up something, though, that I haven't talked about much yet. In addition to everything else from yesterday, also pretty long list of dogs unavailable here during spring practice. I guess the most prominent name was Darnell Washington, the guy who unfortunately had a lot of his season a year ago taken away from injury. Uh, what do you think about you know Darnell not healthy enough to go through spring right now and just kind of the injury situation all around for Georgia as it was uh, reported by Kirby yesterday? Yeah, I, I think Darnell's probably the most concerning. I mean, uh, Brock Bowers probably is the key, but I think we've known for a while Brock wasn't going to go. But Darnell's a guy you're trying to kind of re-recruit. He, he's a guy you're trying to retain. I don't think it's a secret. He's got one foot out the door. And you were hoping that he could get some reps and work into the offense. It'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, Kirby described it as a lower leg extremity. So I'm not exactly sure what that is. But uh, that was that was definitely the most surprising, I believe, of the injuries. Arian Smith, uh, disappointing. He's not, you know, ready to go. Will do some things. I mean, you think about how explosive he is. Maybe the fastest man in college football, BA, uh, right there in Georgia. And you hope Arian Smith gets healthy soon. Barry Alexander, when you're an incoming freshman, we've heard and read a lot about some great reporting from Jeff Centel, and we find out he's got a lat injury, won't go through spring. 
and you know that's one of the areas you're really looking for you know Georgia to bolster is that defensive line where you lose you know three potential first round NFL draft picks my goodness so uh yeah those were the key injuries I thought that, that you know and what I make of it is uh you know as Kirby said every year you expect to have six or seven guys that, that have those off-season surgeries and of course, this year with 19 midterm enrollees, I mean, just a mind-numbing number. And five of those kids are having surgeries as well. So the number's a little up from that perspective. But, uh, you know, Kirby didn't sound panicked by it. I think he looks at it as an opportunity for other guys. You mentioned Derek Gilbert, uh, you know, who came in wanting to play receiver, right? It, it didn't work out. You know, he didn't have a good uh, start, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and now maybe a tight end where a lot of people envision that he might fit best especially now that you see uh, just how productive that position can be in a Todd Morgan offense. Yeah, I think just we're to the point now where, you know, whether it be Gilbert lining up over there or, you know, anybody, I, I just sort of view this as a lot more positionless than I used to. I, mean, I think in the NFL you're seeing kind of the growth of like the positionless defender where you just get out there in space and you make a play. And in college football, I think the very best offenses – are kind of gravitating that direction, you know, themselves where, I mean, how many wide receivers in the SEC last year were better than Brock Bowers? I would argue that there was only one for sure, and maybe only two. I mean, so you can call him a tight end, but I don't know that there were more than a couple of receivers that last year in the SEC that actually outplayed Brock Bowers. So ultimately what you label someone at their position, Mike, I'm just not really sure it matters as much anymore, but the thing that you're bringing up is also something that Georgia fans brought up there as well, which was with Smart's words yesterday, he was definitely including Gilbert in that group of guys we think of as tight ends, the Scythers, the Goaties, the obviously, you know, the the the, the Delps and the Bowers, and, and not the the receivers, the you know, the Karrises and, and the guys like that. He was definitely kind of including Gilbert back in that group again, which was obviously more of his natural position going back to high school. Yeah, you know, and, and to your point, I think it's a great observation. I mean, you look in the NFL and you hear guys' names like, you know, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, and, you know, who cares what position they play? They get open. They're, they're tough matchups, and you can move them around, and we saw that with Brock Bowers. Really more of a more of an H-back, almost felt like, B.A., the way they put him in motion, even handed off to him uh, a couple of times. And uh, to your point, I mean, Brock was a – you know, he was the freshman All-American. He, he was he was named by two different organizations, not just the one I run. Uh, Sean Alexander uh, working out there with the Maxwell, he named him his freshman All-American, too. And I don't think the folks at Ohio State were too happy about that. They had a pretty good quarterback. I say beat Michigan maybe next time. But, uh, you know, Bowers was, uh, you know, the preeminent freshman in the country. He was an All-American. Uh, you know, he's the only Georgia skill position player to be first or second team. You look around, there wasn't anybody else playing quarterback, running back, wide receiver. There ain't no other Bulldogs first or second team all as you see. Just Brock Bowers. So, to your point, uh, you know, Munkin's offense is built in a way that he can get the ball to his playmakers, whether it's Bowers, whether it was James Cook. That did a lot of good things. Probably a guy maybe deserves some recognition. James will catch uh, some passes today at the receiver position at Pro Day, by the way. But, you know, you, you see a guy like Munkin, and he's creative enough to find a way to get the ball to the best players. And, and if Eric Gilbert is one of those guys, then he's going to get the ball. It, it's, it's, it's that simple. It's rather, whatever – drama we want to put on it whether i i believe a lot of it was self-induced quite frankly um you know i i don't blame the media i don't blame the fans i mean you know there were some things that happened that eric gilbert brought on himself uh but to kirby's point i, I don't think anybody here is going to dwell on that i you know this is a, a championship football program there's plenty of other star players that we're looking at it's not the eric gilbert watch nothing's on his shoulders i expect bigger things from ad mitchell and lad mcconkey they showed me a lot 
And Brock Bowers, to your point, I and I think this backfield's going to be better than last year's. I really do. I think Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton have more of a Chubb Michelle look about them, uh, you know, to me than than the last battery. And that's no offense to the last batter. I just think these guys are both really, really good. And this offensive line, by the way, uh, I believe will also be better. So there's plenty of other things to talk about, and I think other things that will be talked about. Yeah, certainly, and I want to get to the pro day stuff in a minute because that obviously uh, begins here uh, for 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 Georgia. Uh, but you've also got a report up at DogNation.com right now, new information on uh, JT Daniels and a visit that he's uh, got coming up. Uh, Mike, what can you tell us about the uh, next step here for JT Daniels as he looks for a new college home? Well, Missouri was the first school to call JT when he went in the portal. Eli Drinkwitz was the first phone call. I mean, it, it, you know, that day, quite literally. And, you know, if you're J.T. Daniels, and this is where I think some people go straight, oh, well, it's Missouri and it's Oregon State and it's West Virginia and maybe Notre Dame, and, and those aren't the world beaters. It, it's not about world beaters. It's about finding an offense that you feel comfortable in. It's about an offense that allows you to run, uh, fly the jet from the line of scrimmage. That's what J.T. does well. What he does really well, and we saw it here at Georgia, is that pre-snap read, and we know he makes all the throws. That's what he does well. And he wants an offense where he's going to have that sort of control. And so, you know, when these schools are recruiting him, you know, that, that's what he's looking for. It's the right fit. Now, he wants to win games. He, you know, they believe Oregon State could be a contender in the Pac-12. They bring back a lot of guys. They have a really good offense. Sure, it feels and seems like the end of the earth to me. But, you know, if he thinks he can lead Oregon State to a 10-win season and compete in the Pac-12 and it's the perfect offense, then good for him. I, I don't know what uh, drink in Missouri has. You know, Missouri to me is, is always the joker in the deck. I just, I, yeah, I just don't know what we're going to get from Missouri from game. I mean, some days they beat Florida and they take Georgia in the fourth quarter. And, you know, other days, you know, they lose the teams and, you know, you wonder what's going on. I, so I, I never know what to expect uh, from a school that ironically enough is in maybe show me state. But we know they want JT Daniels to show them what he's all about this weekend. And so uh, he'll take a visit there. I think West Virginia's on the map, right? Former USC coordinators there. Uh, you know, Mountaineer is very uh, aggressive. I understand they have a very strong NIL packages going out there, a lot of booster money. Um, you know, JT may not be the only uh, big fish in the pond they're fishing for. You could see, you could see West Virginia with some, uh, some heavy-duty uh, NIL transfers. And then Notre Dame, you just don't know about Notre Dame. You know, they've got a couple young quarterbacks. They want to sort things out. And, uh, you know, let's see where they're at. Maybe they'll have interest in JT Daniels after spring drills. Uh, but JT can't go anywhere anyway. So uh, until then, so he's he's going to measure things. He's talking to a lot of different uh, teams. He's talking to a lot of players all over the country. Um, you know, he was he was in that uh, Under Armour U.S. Army All American game. So he's he's got a lot of people, a lot of four and five stars that he kind of grew up with uh, when he was winning National Player of the Year honors out there in California. That um, he's networking right now, and, and Missouri's just the next stop. So we'll see how Missouri goes this week. We know Oregon State's in the book. Uh, we know he likes Oregon State. We'll see what uh, Drinkwitz and Missouri have to say, and we'll see if West Virginia uh, comes to the table. Uh, we'll see where Notre Dame is, and and could there be another school out there that uh, you know has a quarterback situation and they just don't know it yet? Uh, a lot of these things don't get determined until spring. I I look at Georgia, and I keep thinking and waiting that Georgia needs to add somebody through the portal, right? But if Connor and I did the math last night on Connor and coverage. I think Georgia would have to get rid of like 10 or 11 more guys before they can start adding. So this, this whole portal free agency stuff, it's, it's absolutely head spinning. And to your point, 
not necessarily what we signed up for as college football enthusiasts. Um, but uh, circling back Missouri, the next stop for JT Daniels. Well, it's been interesting following because I obviously I like the SEC, so I'm following you know SEC storylines, even the ones that don't necessarily involve Georgia. And it's been interesting to follow Eli Drinkwitz this spring. They started spring practice pretty early. They've been going now for a while where he seems to want to have it both ways, where, I mean, he acknowledged a couple of times that they'd considered taking a transfer quarterback, and, you know, obviously there had been, you know, uh, potential of being connected to JT Daniels, uh, obviously, and uh, your report now, uh, you know, confirms that. But at the same time, you know, he's trying to engage in a quarterback competition with the guys they currently have in the roster. They also have a pretty impressive freshman of the state of Georgia who's going to arrive there eventually too but but it's just kind of interesting that that you know for a guy like Drinkwitz he wants to keep the quarterbacks that he has happy but he's you know obviously been open to the possibility of taking a transfer quarterback even speaking about that 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 it's an interesting time to be a a, a coach where <laughs> nobody seems to want to put all their eggs in any one basket it doesn't seem like well I I think to your point you know you know Georgia the same way I mean you know Stetson Bennett you know Todd Munkin says he's the starter but you know they Caleb Williams is a guy Georgia was chasing in the portal. So everybody wants it both ways. And it's just, it's the nature of the game. You, you know, these coaches, you can never have enough great players, right? You, you never have enough. That's why I never, you know, bought the theory when people say, oh, well, he's recruiting good enough. He doesn't need an extra home. You can never recruit good enough. You can never have enough good players. I mean, listen to Nick Saban. I don't think Nick Saban, Brandon, meant for that little uh, video to get out where he was talking about three players not being prepared and costing Alabama. I, don't, I, I think that happened, I was told, talking to some Alabama beat writers at the Combine, that that actually happened at a coaching clinic. And, 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 and Nick had no idea that was going out. I guarantee he wasn't very happy about that. Um, but, but the point was well made. You, you're never deep enough. And you, you hear Kirby even saying it yesterday. He said, look, I'm not crying about it. I'm here to coach it. I'm here to fix it. But – you know, Georgia has some deficiencies at positions, and it's going to be real interesting to see how many more dogs go in the portal. Owen Cowden uh, announcing yesterday that he's going to the not – not a surprise. I mean, he started against Arkansas in 2020, and he just kind of disappeared after that, right? Warren McClendon kind of took over, and, and uh, you know, Cowden sees the forest for the trees. You know, Luke leaving, Stacey Searles coming in, you know. You would have thought maybe that would have represented a fresh start, um, but not so. And so, uh, so he's out. But there's going to be other guys, like like we said. They're, they're 11 over. I mean, Georgia's got to have some of these other guys leave. They, they don't have the scholarship for all the people that are on the roster. And I would bet you that probably a, a decent percentage of players that were on that injury risk that we saw released yesterday from Coach Smart are, are going to be among the transfers that are going to be elsewhere. Uh, so pro day is today and you know I've had a chance to attend these things before and I find them to be fascinating from the standpoint of I didn't play the game I never pretend to be a scout that's not my shtick but when you watch um, these things happen it's hard not to come away knowing more about football watching the kinds of things that the true scouts the actual professionals the NFL level are trying to identify in players and just seeing 
in very up close and personal situation just how athletic these George players are or like any major college player if you've seen a situation like that you truly are blown away by the athleticism so to me it's a fascinating display of football talent but in terms of specifically what's going to happen today and kind of you know what it means for the uh, Georgia players you were obviously in Indianapolis this that next opportunity and for some guys they'll do more than they did in Indianapolis some guys may do less but just give me a little bit of a preview of pro day yeah, if I'm Jordan Davis, I'm 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 in a I'm in a bubble somewhere. I, I don't want anybody near Jordan Davis. I mean, he ran that four seven APA. I, I, I want to put him in a glass case on ice. You know, I mean, geez, what a I'm speaking of amazing performances, and and you just want to give Jordan Davis. I mean, that was truly one of the best combine performances in history. I don't know if people really realize just how special of a combine performance. And some people don't get excited about it. That's fine. That's fine. It, it doesn't. That's not their cup of tea. But to your point, knowing how hard these athletes work, and knowing what great athletes—not just football, not just guys out there bashing heads. Okay, these are world-class athletes in many senses. You find me another 340-pound, and I'm not going to go on a Shane Beamer rant. Although you should have Carvel dig that up in hindsight. That Beamer rant after the game was one of the best moments in Georgia football history when the guy said. What are they doing out there to make it hard on you? <laughs> he starts talking about how many five stars they've got and how tail, and they've got a guy that runs better, a 340 pound guy that runs better than anybody on this teleconference. He said it was just class, and that's that's what it's like watching Georgia Pro Day. That's what it's like going and watching Georgia at the combine, and even Kirby Smart yesterday. And I'll give Kirby credit. I shot I shot Kirby a text. Uh, from the combine, and and I said your guys are killing it in these interviews, and some because some of these guys we hadn't really heard speak before, or speak at length. I mean, I don't know how much of Devontae Wyatt you'd ever really heard. I hadn't heard much. My goodness, was he entertaining? And listening to Lewis scene, I mean, I, you, you wanted to draft him just off the conversation, and then Lewis runs that four three seven and goes thirty six in the vertical. I mean, the, the Georgia players represented themselves so incredibly well better than any school in recent memory and, and even Kirby acknowledged the interviews it typically he doesn't say anything about media interviews if, if it doesn't help him win a championship right he doesn't spend much time on it but he I think he recognized the advertisement that those young men had for the University of Georgia and Brandon he attributed it and I give him credit he attributed it to a skull session he said, you know, these guys have gotten comfortable talking more about themselves because of the skull session. And he thinks that's translated. And, and if that's the case, then, then bravo and more of it. Because, number one, we saw how it helped them deal with the adversity of the embarrassment of losing the SEC championship game in the fashion they did. And to me, that loss was, was twofold. One, a blessing. Okay, one, we got to see uh, the true character of what 2021 national champion Georgia was. They didn't just waltz over the field, okay? They got their butts kicked. They got embarrassed in front of 80% of the stadium that were dog fans. But but rather than go away and look forward to the end, these guys rallied and dominated Michigan. I mean, just pulverized. That game, they could have scored 50 or 60 if they wanted. And then they came back and the defense just stoned Bryce Young. One touchdown pass from that kid. One touchdown, and the guy was inside the 36. So we got to watch that team respond to adversity, right? And then, and then two, you know, losing to Alabama. There's something. The guys talking yesterday, they said, look, we didn't, we're not the SEC champs. 
we got some unfinished business. You won the national championship, although Kirby made it very clear, don't call them the defending champs. Said, no, you guys, we don't, we're not defending anything. This is a new season, right? I go, okay, we got it, coach. Got it. This is pop psychology there. But the players looking at it like, hey, we want to win the SEC. So to me, you even go back and you find the silver lining um, and, and circling it back again to the pro day, the, the character, the leadership, Brandon, you know, one final time uh, for these guys to compete as dogs inside the house of pain uh, before what's going to be this un, this glorious NFL draft that Kirby Smart is going to just love because all these recruits are going to be watching and you're going to see four or five, maybe six dogs going across the stage, maybe seven the first two days of the draft, maybe four or five in the first round and really signaling a new era as Georgia football is taking its, its place atop the SEC. Mike, thank you for being here. Very interesting stuff. I know you have a lot of coverage from Pro Day today. I think we may even hear from Kirby again today at Pro Day, so uh, maybe some more spring news coming out today too. So we'll look forward to all of that, and we'll look forward to speaking to you again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. Thanks, Brandon. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Very interesting stuff from uh, Mike Griffith there. Of course, Mike going to be on hand with us for the very first ever cruise with Dog Nation coming up. Uh, really just a few weeks. Your time to get involved on that right now with our friends at Royal Caribbean. Listen, we cannot wait to be doing this with you. It's going to be such a good time. And I know Mike's excited about it. Jeff Sintel going to be there as well. Just hanging out. You get a chance to cruise with all of us. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm pretty fun to be with on a cruise. Jeff and Mike, I don't know. Me, I'm, uh, I'm definitely fun to hang out with, and we're going to be all hanging out together on the Independence of the Seas with our friends at Royal Caribbean. So much fun visiting Nassau and the Bahamas. I was actually just in Nassau. Uh, such a cool place to be. So many uh, fun things to do there. Uh, we had a great snorkeling adventure there. You can go to Paradise Island. You can do some really, really cool stuff. Um, uh, just a really, really extraordinary experience. Perfect day, Coke. Okay, you've heard me talk about that a lot. But also taking advantage of fun things on the ship. In fact, if you're watching a video, you just saw the sky pad. It's a really cool thing. It's like a, it's like a bungee cord type activity with a trampoline. But you can also put like the virtual reality goggles on if you want to do that and kind of have that experience. It's on the, uh, it's on the ship. It's just a cool thing to do. You got the water slides, of course, there as well. Uh, just an incredible, extraordinary experience when you're uh, on a great ship like Independence of the Seas, eating specialty restaurants, Chops Grill, you've heard me talk about that, Azumi, the, uh, uh, the the Hibachi restaurant, there's a Playmaker sports bar. I've actually never eaten at the Playmakers. I was on Harmony of the Seas recently, and it did not have the Playmakers, but Independence of the Seas does, and so I got a chance to enjoy that for the first time. If you're watching a video, you just saw uh, Perfect Day Coco K. Uh, look at that. I mean, that's Perfect Day right there. That is unbelievable experience. I know if you're not watching a video, don't see that, but an, a truly unbelievable experience uh, right there with our friends at Royal Caribbean. Your chance to be a part of it. DogNation.com, the place to go. Uh, right there at the top, a link for you to be a part of the very first ever cruise with Dog Nation, but you got to act fast. We're really running out of time. We're leaving April 25th from Port Canaveral, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay on Independence of the Sea, so it's creeping up on us. You better be there and be a part of that. All right, a couple of things coming up before we're done. A little bit of a look at the new Georgia basketball coach, Mike White. Also, a big chance, speaking of basketball, for you to be a big winner courtesy of our friends at Kroger. I'm going to tell you about that coming up before we're done on today's show there as well. Before that, though, as we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, are you ready to be mad about something? I think you're going to be mad about this, and I'm not saying this to troll you, but I just want you to be aware of it. There was a release from USC that got some attention yesterday. I'm going to read this straight from their uh, website. 
is that uh, USC spring football game is going to be broadcast live on ESPN. Listen to this. It will be the only spring football game airing live on ESPN in 2022. Matt Barry, Kirk Herbstreit, Joey Galloway, Molly McGrath are going to be on the call. So this is going to get you mad, at least a lot of you, for a couple of reasons. First of all, the thing that was started a year ago is continuing. That ESPN is reducing its coverage of spring games. That as recently as, like, say, 2019, that's the last year pre-pandemic, Every SEC game was on television, I think. I think they I think every SEC game was on television. They were most of them were on the SEC network. And uh at least one of them was on regular ESPN. And in 2019 it might have been Georgia, but but either way, they were all on television. It sounds like ESPN is continuing what it did last year, which is with reduced coverage of spring football games. Now that doesn't mean they won't be on the SEC network. Well, I guess we'll wait and find out about that. But certainly the release from uh, from USC would suggest there's going to be a lot more digital media coverage of spring games, which for some people is no different than anything else because they watch everything digitally. For some people, that's a little bit frustrating because, and even I'm kind of like this, where it's like if you're watching TV, you can use your remote and kind of click from one thing to the next. But if you go into like a digital platform, Disney+, Plus, Netflix, something like that, you have to click into it and then click out of it to go watch something else. It's a lot, it's a lot more difficult to channel surf on like say a streaming platform than it is a television platform i think the nfl is going to deal with that when they go streaming for the thursday night game coming up this fall but that's a different point for a different day some people aren't going to be happy with a streamed spring game again for uga and this release from usc would at least make that sound like it's it's a possibility but beyond that there's this and this is the real outrage and listen i'm not trying to be performatively uh angry about this but i do find this to be a little bit frustrating that for the last few years, ESPN has selected one team to get the big stage to have their spring game on uh, ESPN. And this year, ESPN's choosing USC. Now, I get this for three reasons. The biggest of which is this. The powers that be want all 50 states to matter in college football. And you better believe they want a big market like Los Angeles to matter. Los Angeles is a town that sneakily cares about college football a pretty good bit. USC is way more. It's a little bit like Atlanta where, like, you know, Georgia is the biggest football brand in our city. It's a bigger football brand than Atlanta Falcons is. Uh, It's the same thing is true in L.A. there as well. USC is a bigger brand than the Rams or the Chargers. Rams just played in the Super Bowl. But that city probably moves to the beat of USC more so than it does the Rams. Anybody from Southern California, I think, would essentially tell you the same thing is true. And so if you're ESPN, there is money to be made by cultivating that Los Angeles college ball culture. So that's probably the biggest reason why, if you have an excuse to put them on the uh, spring game, that's what you'll do. But beyond that, there's the buzz that's created by Lincoln Riley moving over as head coach. There's the buzz created by Caleb Williams transferring as quarterback. But as I've told you before, I think that college football is in a dangerous spot if it's chasing the kind of off-season buzz narrative, off-season buzz storyline. At one point in time on the show, I described that as the NBA-ification of college football, where all of a sudden the off-season moves become more interesting to some people than the on-season, in-season results. Georgia, as the reigning national champion, is not treated as – 
that kind of thing right now because people are, ooh, look at Alabama and the transfers, or ooh, look at you know Brian Kelly going to LSU, or look at Lincoln Riley going to uh, USC and bringing Caleb Williams with him. Never mind that in a lot of the games late last year, Caleb Williams was struggling to complete 50% of his passes, and never mind that the big reason why Lincoln Riley is in LA is because he wanted no part of the SEC. He essentially ran from the stiffest competition that he would have been able to find never mind all of that it's buzz it's Lincoln Riley and you see how cool his house is and Colin Cowherd saying good things about him if that's what college football is doing chasing buzz I think it's making a huge huge mistake I've told you before I think Spencer Rattler at South Carolina has a better year than Caleb Williams and I don't know that Lincoln Riley greatly changes the fortunes of USC from where it was a year ago which was a team with a losing record Riley's clearly a good coach but he's not good enough to win playoff games he had a million chance to do that at Oklahoma and never did So congratulations on your buzz. My guess is it doesn't work out to the tune of very much in terms of on-field success, but frankly, ESPN doesn't seem to be too bothered by that right now. Then there's this, Anthony Richardson speaking yesterday at uh, Florida Spring Practice about the start of the Billy Napier era. I'll try to find the quote that he had. I had it pulled up a minute ago. Let me see if I can pull this back up. And I think all of this kind of leads to a question. Yeah, here's the Richardson quote. Let me find this. So he's just kind of talking about, um, you know, how things are getting going with him thus far, saying about the arrival 24-7 has the quote that it's different with Billy Napier. He says, before we even started installing plays, he would meet up a little just to understand the terminology and understand the, the process of things. They're coaching us hard. They're moving fast. We have to pick up things like this. And Quotes like that from Richardson obviously sound a lot like what you hear from a lot of players anytime a new coach is introduced. And I think here's the question. And listen, obviously I'm a Gator hater and I want Billy Napier to fall flat on his face. And I think it's funny that he looks like Sling Blade and everything else that everybody else says. I'm right there with you on all that. However, I don't deny that Napier's been a good coach at the group of five level. But as we said yesterday, when it comes to like Brian Harson, also group of five guy that graduates up to the SEC, you know, everybody who ever goes from group of five to sec of course they're going to have a sterling record otherwise they wouldn't get the job but some of them once they take the big step forward is the peter principle where everybody eventually graduates to the to a level of incompetence um you know for a lot of these guys the group of five they're going to work their way up to a level where they just aren't quite fit they're not they're not quite cut out for the job and people would say and maybe even rightly so i would say i'd probably be more likely to believe this that Napier's chances of succeeding at Florida are greater than Harson's chances of succeeding at Auburn because while Harson, much like Napier was a good group of five coach prior to that Napier had plenty of connections with the SEC having worked with Nick Saban having spent time in this league understanding what that's all about coaching within the SEC footprint even at Louisiana Lafayette but you're also left to wonder about this LSU was never hiring Billy Napier. They were never. Thousand chances to hire anybody they wanted. Napier was not going to be their guy. This is either one of two things. This is either total runaway ego, not having, you know, enough guts and bravery to admit that a coach in Louisiana, a lesser program than LSU, was worthy of the LSU job. It's either a runaway train of ego or it's proximity to a guy to know something that other folks should have known. When it comes to Billy Napier at Florida, we're going to find that out. Is his previous ties to the SEC the kind of thing that makes him a safer bet than the typical group of five coach would be? Or did LSU know all along that he's not big enough to be in this role? We're going to find out pretty quickly. It sounds like Anthony Richards is enjoying some of what he's seeing from him right now, but that's that's kind of what's at stake here. It will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of 
Royal Caribbean. Now, I'm going to do Mike White, Georgia basketball in a moment, but speaking of basketball, I want to tell you a really cool thing that's going on with our friends at Kroger right now. We're calling this Fuel for an Upset. Now, the reason why I'm calling this Fuel for an Upset is because at Kroger, that is the place to go for fuel right now. I mean, because let's face it, it is expensive. And anytime you get a good chance there and earn the extra fuel points and all the things that go along with that, of course, that's what you're going to want to do. Kroger, just the place to go for your you know, fuel in your vehicle right now because anything we can do to make that a little bit cheaper, a little bit less expensive, obviously that's what we want to do. And earning those extra fuel points at Kroger is obviously a big part of all of that. That is the place to go. Now, we're also thinking uh, the uh, upcoming very big tournament, which you are very well aware of, and Kroger is a big fan of all that too. And the thing we love celebrating this time of year are the upsets, especially those of us who don't have our team in the tournament, which is obviously Georgia. And so I think you're like me a lot. It's like, okay, where's the big upset going to come from? And some of you think you know. I haven't filled up my bracket yet because I'm the last one to do everything. But a lot of you already have, and that's kind of the fun thing that you do is, hey, on the first day of the first round, here's my upset that I'm looking for. Next day, here's what I'm looking for. Moving on to the the next weekend, here are the upsets that I'm looking for. And we're going to give you a chance to to make – really yourself a big winner on the basis of simply being able to pick an upset so let me try to explain this what's at stake here four different chances to win on four different days a gift card pack from kroger worth two hundred dollars now here's how you're going to do this we're going to do it this thursday which is tomorrow and then friday and we're going to do it next thursday next friday so think about this it's day one and day two of kind of the, the the regular first round and then the start of the following weekend next next weekend on Thursday and Friday. So it's Thursday and Friday this week, Thursday and Friday next week. And here's all you got to do. You simply have to send an email to info at dognation.com. That's info at dognation.com with your pick for an upset for that day. That means send an, in, uh, an email for the games being played tomorrow. Send an email for the games being played on Friday. We're going to pick a winner for tomorrow. We're going to pick a winner on Friday. It's an upset. And then do the same thing next Thursday, next Friday. Now, here's the definition of an upset. We're not using point spreads you know that's that's a different thing for a different thing uh this is simply the seeding if a 16 beats a one that's an upset if a nine beats an eight regardless who's favored if the nine seed beats the eight seed that's an upset 11 over six 12 over five which happens a lot 14s over threes happens a pretty good bit uh now you don't get extra points for picking the big upset but if you get it right you get it right so we are simply going to get your information on the email. We are going to get your upset, and we're going to draw a winner. And that winner gets a chance to win a $200 pack of gift cards. That's a $100 Kroger gift card. You can use that on some uh, great stuff. A $50 REI gift card and a $50 Home Depot gift card. How great is that? $200 worth of gift cards, $100 to Kroger, $50 to REI and Home Depot. We're going to pick a winner for tomorrow, pick a winner for Friday, then next Thursday and Friday. It could not be easier. Simply pick your upset for that day. Give us your contact information. Email it to info at dognation.com. It is our Kroger fuel for an upset pick. Hopefully that makes sense because I think it's pretty simple, straightforward. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. But basically, just send your upset to info at dognation.com, and you could be a big winner courtesy of Kroger. Now, with that said, let me uh, transition to a different basketball story for a moment, which is the announcement of Mike White as Georgia's coach and introduced yesterday and it was an event there at Stegman Coliseum a white came across I thought is a a pretty gracious guy during all of this he has been described as having 
kind of a engaging personality. I think that he put that on display pretty well yesterday. I'll give you a brief taste of some of what he said from inside uh, Stegman Coliseum yesterday about the decision to uproot his family and bring them within the SEC to uh, the University of Georgia. This is Mike White from yesterday. Hard to move a family, and if if the perception of this community wasn't what it was, if the feeling that that we get walking around this community and meeting with a bunch of the Bulldogs, if that feeling wasn't what it was, we wouldn't be here. This is a family place, and we're proud to be a part of this family. If you're watching on video, you see the photo of White right there. I got to tell you, the uh, very sharp gray suit, you see the working buttons down there at the uh, sleeve. That's uh, a sign of good craftsmanship. Uh, but the uh, red and black tie, uh, <laughs> And it's a big upgrade over the orange and blue. I'm going to tell you that right now. White looking pretty good. Get the dog lapel going on there. So uh, pretty good stuff all the way around with the new basketball coach, Mike White. Two things for me on this. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but in light of what we were just saying a moment ago about Billy Napier and, and Brian Harson, former group of five coaches in the SEC, by hiring a guy like Mike White, and this is one of the reasons why I'm selling myself on this hire. Listen, I'm under no obligation to do this. If I thought the White hire was terrible, I'm not going to get fired for saying that. Like, I don't work for Georgia. Like, like there's no obligation for me to, to you know, uh, carry water for, for anybody on this. But speaking as a fan who was yeah, a, little, uh, you know, a little lukewarm about this when it was first announced, you know, underwhelmed, I think uh, is probably a phrase that I probably used with some people privately, starting to talk myself into it a little bit more. And, and part of the reason for that is because, had you gone like the Matt McMahon, you know, uh, Colorado State coach, you know, uh, Cleveland State coach, had Georgia gone with its own version of Group of Five, then you run the risk of that being Brian Harson. You run the risk of that being someone who was great at his level, but not so great at your level. And in the case of Mike White, you seem to take that kind of unmitigated disaster off the table. With all due respect, I think the same thing's true in the comparison between White and Jonas Hayes here there as well. And listen, I think that Jonas could have a very bright coaching future. There's no doubt there's a lot to like about him. But if it's a binary choice between Jonas and, and White, my choice in this would be the guy that had the head coaching experience, the guy that's won NCAA tournament games. It doesn't, take me, it doesn't give me great pleasure to say this, but, I mean, White has won a lot of tournament games, especially by what has been sort of a typical Georgia standard. So from that standpoint, it becomes a little easier to sell on Mike White. And I kind of find myself being a little more talked into it, especially when the thought is, is that he doesn't like delusional Florida fans. Well, that sells me on him even more, to be frank. But here's the other thing, and this is really the, the main takeaway I wanted to have here for a moment. The thing that I noticed yesterday, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I feel like I did. And I don't know if like page view metrics bear this out. Frankly, they probably don't. And I don't know if video view metrics bear this out. Frankly, they probably don't. But still, the, the, the general sense that I get is, is that the basketball news, the announcement of White, kind of held its own yesterday a little bit in the shadow of Georgia spring football practice beginning. What I mean is, is that, listen, I'm a busy guy. I'm, I'm running around doing a bunch of stuff. You know, I'm not a beat reporter. I'm not, you know, sort of, you know, I'm not in attendance for, the, for either of the press conferences yesterday. But in a day in which there was a lot of Kirby Smart news on my social media feed and probably on yours there as well, I actually saw people talking about Mike White too. And I saw a lot of response from Georgia fans about the introduction of White and kind of how they feel about all of this. 
that the announcement of a Georgia basketball coach yesterday did not get completely overshadowed, did not get completely dwarfed, did not get completely swallowed up by the start of spring football practice. I'm not going to tell you that they were equally popular because they weren't. As I said before, we have a thousand metrics that show you uh, how not true that is. But it did kind of hold its own. It it wasn't completely ignored, even in light of everything going on with football, which could be a good sign here. There does seem to be a little bit of enthusiasm right now, maybe not about Mike White in particular, just to be frank, but enthusiasm in general about Georgia joining what is a great time for basketball in the SEC. This league has tremendously improved itself in recent seasons. Right now, the SEC is a better basketball league than the ACC is. And years ago, that would have been impossible to foresee, but it seems to be true right now. And Georgia fans simply want to be a part of that. They may not know right now if Mike White can lead them there, but they are sure they want to be there, which is probably a step in the right direction. So successful press conference for him yesterday. Georgia fans seem to have a pretty nice uh, response to it all. And the white era now begins at UGA, and obviously around here we certainly wish him well as he tries to get the dogs back into the NCAA tournament. All right, Golden Shoe today takes a little bit of explanation. So 99.9% of the people who watch or listen to the show, certainly almost all the people who listen to the show, but uh, those who watch the show do so later than live. This is an on-demand product for the overwhelming majority of the people who consume it however we do have a live audience and they love arguing with each other and on youtube we have an alabama fan who's pretty famous who in may surprise you this but i actually like him he comes in there he kind of stirs up the football conversation everybody has a good time and they go back and forth and so i was asked to talk some trash to this guy from one of our guys so i'll do this as a part of our golden shoe today one of the common arguments involves running backs and who's had better running backs George or Alabama or our buddy Frankie Fibonacci wanted to give a shout out to a guy known as G Grace but some success for Nick Chubb first running back NFL history to average at least five yards on 100 plus carries in each of his first four seasons so great success for him and Frankie Fibonacci kind of making fun of one of our Bama fans about that so golden shoe to Chubb for that achievement by the way he may get himself a new quarterback in Cleveland too which could be good news for him and also Frankie a regular contributor of ours will make him a golden shoe winner there as well talk some lousy stinking Gators earlier about 4,815 days since they've won a national championship remember off the top of the program the notion of defending a title by remaining a contender Florida ain't done that and I use bad grammar intentionally they haven't done that at all and they're losing to Georgia again coming up 227 days from right now that is our Gator Hater Countdown we will see you tomorrow Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management and on the podcast I'm now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down as I'm recording this pro day is ongoing there for UGA and by the way thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible air conditioning heating plumbing electric you know you want to get that AC unit tuned up spring's going to be here pretty soon do that now rsandrews.com it's just 99 bucks so check that out there so sounds like Nicobe Dean's in a little bit of an injury Kirby Smart talked about that um sounds like everything's going pretty well for the guys who are performing a lot of NFL personnel there I guess Kirby Smart has said that Georgia sets a record today I don't know who keeps up with these <laughs> where these records are housed but a record for most NFL personnel at a pro day I think it's a total of six NFL head coaches I've seen photos of uh, Bill Belichick I've seen uh, I guess Mike McCarthy from the uh, Cowboys there on hand there as well so good number pretty famous NFL guys there in Athens and I've been to pro day before it's actually kind of a cool thing to see I know a lot of you like following this on television in fact some of you are probably watching it even as I'm speaking when you'll hear this eventually you probably were busy watching this while I'm kind of talking about it now so kind of a cool thing a lot going on excited about seeing those Georgia guys 
get ready to move on to the next level. And of course, uh, following at dognation.com for plenty of coverage on that too. Also, make sure you send your comments in to the comment section here at dognation.com or on Twitter at dognationdaily. We'll look forward to reading those. Spring practice rolling on. A lot of folks weighing in on everything there. So we'll look forward to reading those comments coming up in the days to go there too. So busy time at dognation.com. We're happy to have you uh, with it. And we will see you back here again tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management. We'll look forward to speaking to you then.